Good morning and welcome to worship at Grace United Church. My name is Sarah Brewer and I'm delighted to be here with you for a few months while Reverend McCall is away briefly to support the wider church. For those of you who are here in person today, I want to share some words with you from our moderator, Richard Bott, who wrote this week. Please remember, we continue to be in the midst of a global pandemic caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus and its variants, collectively known as COVID-19. We are told by our public health authorities that physical distancing, masking, hand washing, as well as being vaccinated against the virus for those who are medically able to do so, is vital to protecting oneself and the wider community against the effects of this virus. If we are gathering in groups in whatever setting, from meetings to worship times, and work to live out Christ's call to love one another as I have loved you, then it is imperative that we do all we are able to, to do to keep uh, each other, especially those who are most vulnerable, as well as the wider community, as safe as we are able. So as we gather here today, I add my voice to Richard's in asking that we all continue to follow the precautions we're being asked to take to ensure that our gathering today does not result in anyone getting sick. For those of you who are joining us online or on TV, welcome. We're glad you have joined us from wherever you are today. If you're new to Grace United Church and you would like to find out more about any of the events that happen in our church, I encourage you to check out our Facebook page, Grace United Church Hanover, or to contact our church office to be added to our email distribution list. Even during these challenging times, ours is a busy church with plenty of additional activities happening besides our Sunday services. For all of us, we can't pass an offering plate at this time. If you would like to make a donation to support the ministries of Grace United Church locally, as well as those we are part of collectively with other congregations across Canada through mission and service, some ways to do that involve leaving your donation in the plate by the door as you exit this morning, signing up for PAR, mailing it to the church, donating through Canada Helps or e-transfer. If you need more information about any of these options, you can contact the church office or email treasurer at graceunitedchurchhanover.ca. For now though, let us turn our attention and settle into this time of worship. Through Indigenous people in the United Church of Canada, I've been introduced to the Indigenous practice of prayer before all things. In the Haudenosaunee tradition, one of the nations who called this area home long before my ancestors did, this prayer begins with an acknowledgement that we gather as people who've been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with one another, giving thanks for one another, and drawing our minds together as one. It continues with gratitude expressed to the earth, the water, the plants, the herbs, the animals, trees, birds, wind, 
thunder, sun, moon, enlightened teachers, and the creator. As we gather here today, we know that the church has not always lived in balance and harmony with the indigenous peoples of this land, nor its earth, waters, plants, herbs, animals, trees, birds, wind, thunder, sun, moon, enlightened teachers, or the creator. We lament the harm we have caused and we recommit ourselves to being people who will work to change our ways, not only for the sake of our grandchildren and their grandchildren, but the, for the sake of this planet, the earth itself. May it be so. Amen. May the light of Christ shine brightly in our lives and all around us. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join me in the call to worship praying quietly. We invite the forests to worship with us. Aspen and maple trees, quivering ferns and glistening moss. We quiver with the trees as they shake before God. When tempests and tornadoes hit and raging winds invade the forest. We invite tall trees to celebrate life white pine and silver birch, tall timber where insects, birds, and lichen find their home. We invite the forest nightlife to sing, fireflies and timid moths, ancient owls and swirling bats. We join with the fauna of the forest in praising God, chickadees and woodpeckers, black bears, squirrels, and dear. We celebrate the song of the forest. Sing, forest, sing. And we pray. God, our creator, whose glory fills our planet, help us to discern your vibrant presence among us, especially in the mysteries of the forest. Help us empathize with your forest creatures who are suffering, Lift our spirits to rejoice with the forest and all the creatures of the forest. In the name of Christ, who reconciles and renews all things in creation, we pray. Amen. Today's Minute for Mission. No longer asking, where will I eat? An update from our place society. We have never stopped providing three meals a day. When the pandemic began to ramp up last year, Grant McKenzie and the communications director at Our Place Society, a mission and service partner, told us one of the questions street-involved guests often asked is, where will I eat? No one asked that question at Our Place anymore. The reason for that is simple. We have never stopped providing three meals a day. And as this pandemic continues, we endeavor to make more food options available. Due to social distancing, our kitchen staff need to think more creatively as they plan one bowl meals that can be safely handed out at our front gates. We are also busy providing water, tea, coffee, and milk, says Mackenzie. That doesn't mean there is no stress. The fentanyl crisis, overdoses, 
magnified social isolation and mounting stress and anxiety as the pandemic continues take a heavy toll. Still, guests have reinsurance that our place will continue to offer three square meals a day, whether indoors or out. In this strange and difficult time, my heart breaks with sorrow at the vulnerable people struggling to survive with yet another obstacle in their path. But my heart also swells with pride at the people who are stepping up to help, he says. Reassurance can be hard to come by in uncertain times. Your gifts through mission and service continue to provide steady support during the long COVID-19 crisis. Thank you for your gifts. Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 4b to 22. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good, aromatic resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you not, must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable to him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is the word of God. Amen. Let us pray. God, our creator, open our spirits and our hearts this day. Teach us to empathize with the earth. Make our spirits sensitive to the cries of creation, cries for justice from the hills and the trees,
as we continue to reflect on your word for our lives, we pray that you would truly inspire us to live with respect in creation. May the words I share now be a faithful reflection of your will for our lives. Amen. In preparation for this week's service, I asked a number of people to share stories of significant trees in their lives. One thing that stood out for me in this was that everyone had a story. For some, it was the gift of a sapling given at a wedding that was planted and has grown, which continues to remind the person of the couple. For some, it was a tree that marked a location, a farm or a home, sometimes climbed as children or sheltered under for shade. For some, it was a tree from a book such as the great Kapok tree by Lynn Cherry. For some, it was the fruit of a tree that they remember, apples, peaches, pears, or cherries. What about you? I wonder what tree each of you would tell me about. One story about a tree that many of us share in common is from Shel Silverstein's book, The Giving Tree. It's a story about a relationship between a boy and a tree. As a child, the boy enjoys climbing the tree, swinging from its branches and eating its apples. As he grows, though, the boy spends less and less and less time with the tree tending to visit it only at times in his life when he wants something from the tree. Wanting the boy to be happy, the tree continuously gives of itself. Apples that the boy can sell for money. Branches that the boy can use to build a house. Its trunk so the boy can build a boat. And, the en and at the end, a stump for the boy to rest on as an old man. Now interpretations of this story vary. Some see it as a beloved story in which the tree reflects such values as the joy of giving and unconditional love. Others see it as an allegorical story through which the boy teaches us about selfishness and greed. And while neither perspective is right or wrong, for our purposes today, I want to invite you to think about this story as we see it in relation to the boy who takes and takes and takes some more until there's nothing left to take. As I was thinking this week about how we sometimes take and take and take some more, I remembered my childhood love of fires. I was taught in Girl Guides how to make several different kinds of fires, how to start a fire with just one match, or even from embers, how to extinguish a fire, and how to stay safe around a fire. I thought that I had learned it all, until one day in seminary when I realized I had missed a crucial lesson. 
It happened while I was sitting around a fire at the Sandy Soto Spiritual Center in Manitoba, where former moderator Stan McKay shared his, this teaching. When you build a fire, don't use more wood than you need to achieve the purpose whether, that you have for it, whether that's to cook or stay warm or provide light. When you build a fire, don't use more wood than you need to achieve your purpose, whether that's to cook or stay warm or provide light. In this teaching, I realized that I'd been taught to build fires to meet my needs as though wood were of no particular, particular significance. This week, our Bible story is from the second chapter of Genesis. In the, it's the second creation story in our Bible, although many scholars think it was actually written earlier than the lovely poem we find in Genesis 1. If you're anything like me, you probably think about this as the story of Adam and Eve. And indeed, unlike the first story where the human beings are unnamed, in this story, they are given the wonderful symbolic names of Adam, which literally means earthling or ground creature, and Eve, which means source of life. So it is, without a doubt, a story about humanity. Yet this story is not just, or perhaps even primarily, about human beings. In it, we heard a lovely description of a stream that arises from the earth to create the conditions for a beautiful garden filled with every kind of tree. And not only of a human creature formed from the dust of the earth, but also many additional creatures who arise by God's divine grace to fill the fertile land and the skies above it. Certainly in this story, human beings have significance as creatures made from the earth, but so too do the trees and the wild animals and the birds and all of creation. Thinking of all this this week reminded me of an article that I wrote for the United Church Observer magazine more than a decade ago now. I was a relatively new young minister serving in Banff, Alberta. For the December issue of the magazine, I was asked to write a reflection in which I imagined Christ being born and living among us today. I responded by wondering if Jesus might be born today as a tree in the forest. So I want to end today by sharing a slightly edited version of that article. Here's what I wrote. A scene in the Monty Python movie, The Search for the Holy Grail, uses ridiculous logic to argue that a duck and a witch must weigh the same as each other. The premise is that since people burned witches and wood, 
and both wood and ducks float, then a witch must weigh the same as a duck. In other words, if A equals B in one category and B equals C in another, then A must also equal C in a third. It's like saying that since Jesus is the reason for Christmas, and one way we celebrate Christmas is by decorating trees, then if Jesus were born here and now, he would obviously be a tree. Some Christians in Quincy, Illinois, would argue that he already is. Back in the 1990s, an employee at the Roman Catholic Cemetery discovered a knotted growth in an old birch tree that resembled Jesus dressed in a long robe with a lamb in his arms. Before the tree had to be cut down due to poor health, it attracted more than 100,000 visitors from around the world, some of whom truly believed that it was an incarnation of God. To many of us, the suggestion that Jesus could be a tree will seem ridiculous, perhaps even sacrilegious. After all, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was an incarnation of God, born in human form. The Gospel of Luke tells us that he was born as a baby in a manger, not as a sapling in the forest. However, the Gospel of John reports that the grown-up Jesus described himself as a vine. So perhaps the suggestion that Jesus might be a tree bothers us more than it would have bothered him. Knowing the way Jesus taught people, I can even imagine him using the suggestion to teach us a few things about ourselves and about God. Think about it for a moment. What if Jesus were born among us now as a tree? How might that change our actions or our beliefs? What difference, if any, would this make in our lives? and in our world. Such questions ran through my head one day while I was out for a walk. I found myself looking up at a mountain and randomly picking a tree upon it. It was an evergreen tree, dressed in a thin layer of snow that sparkled in the sunlight, growing amid thousands of evergreens. I remember thinking that I would indeed live differently if that tree were Jesus. I would become more intentional about living with respect in creation, reducing, reusing, and composting would not be enough. I would want to start greening my home and my church. I realized too that if Jesus were that tree on the mountain, he would likely live a relatively peaceful life protected by Canada's national park system. Yet many Canadian trees today are not so fortunate. Some won't live long enough to die of natural causes. They will be removed to make room for more buildings or cut down to supply our demand for paper and wood. And while trees are a renewable resource, 
I know that I sometimes take their products for granted in ways that I wouldn't if Jesus were one. Given today's environmental concerns, perhaps it is especially important for us to ponder the possibility of Christ incarnate as a tree. With glaciers retreating and pollution increasing, maybe we need to not only wonder what would change if Jesus were a tree, but also start living as though it were true. In the same way that the United Church of Canada has taught me to care for all humans as if they are an incarnation of God, perhaps it's now time to start caring for all of creation as if it were an incarnation of God. For as flawed as Monty Python's logic may be, and as ridiculous as the suggestion that Christ could return as a tree may seem, God's world needs us to act as if it were true. This season of creation has been set aside for churches to remember that. There are simple things that we can do individually that can collectively make a big difference. So this fall, as you watch the leaves on the trees begin to share their glorious fall colors, I hope that they might remind you to live as if Jesus could be among us right here, right now, incarnate within the trees. May it be so. Amen. Would you pray with me? Creator God, we thank you for this earth, our home, for the wide sky and the blessed sun, for the ocean and streams, for the towering hills and the whispering wind, for the trees and green grasses. We thank you for our senses by which we hear the songs of birds and see the splendor of fields of golden wheat and taste autumn's fruit, rejoice in the feel of snow, and smell the breath of spring flowers. Grant us a heart open wide to all this beauty, and save us from being so blind that we pass unseeing when even the common thorn bush is aflame with your glory. Help us, O oh God, to live with respect in creation, we pray especially today for the forests. We give thanks for the part that they play in our world, offering shelter to many animals, providing water and air purification, being a source of timber and food, supplying a space for recreation, and existing as a place where many feel close to you. Yet we know, O oh God, that our forests are vulnerable to many threats. Fire, insects, wind, ice, disease, climate change, and deforestation. So we pray today for the health of all forests. 
O God, we pray also for ourselves, that you would help us to be people who live our lives caring for creation in in the ways we would if Jesus were a tree. We pray also this day for the people you have created. In this time of a federal election in our country, we give thanks for all who feel called to public service and have let their names stand in this political campaign. We ask your blessing upon each one of them in the coming week. Where differing perspectives threaten to divide us, O God, let there be peace. Holy One, we pray as well for those we hold close to our hearts today. We pray for our family and friends, especially those who are facing challenges in their lives. We pray for those living in nursing homes and those who care for them. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are grieving the death of a loved one. We pray for the youth of our community as well as their teachers, school administrators, and support staff as a new school year begins. May your love, grace, peace, and blessings surround all those who need it most today. We ask all this, O God, as people of faith, people striving to follow the example of Jesus, who invited his friends to pray together as we say, our creator who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ calls you to be his disciples, to serve him with love and compassion, and to serve the earth by caring for creation. We will remember the forest. We will groan with creation. We will sing with the trees. Will you care for creation? We will care for creation. We will nurture the forests. We will celebrate life. May the Spirit of God, who is above all and in all and through all, fill you with the knowledge of God's presence in earth and the impulse of Christ within you. Go in peace, serving Christ and loving the earth. Amen.